You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Our guest today is Manjit Rukara, an exceptional guest and real estate investor out of Winnipeg region of Manitoba. From correction officer to real estate investor, focusing on flipping, coaching, multifamily, and raising capital. How are you, Manjit? Good, good, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Thanks a lot. Uh, I would like to start with uh, your early days as an officer and why you switched to the flipping business and real estate in general. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that was quite a number of years ago, but... Uh... You know, uh, it was really starting back when I was uh, 21, 22. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, as a career. And uh, I actually had a cousin who got into law enforcement. And so I decided, and and this is before uh, even considering entrepreneurship or real estate. I said, hey, you know what, let me uh, go to school for that. So I actually went to school for uh, criminology. I I graduated from that. Mm -hmm. And maybe a couple of years later, I got a job as a correction officer. So uh, I started doing that, you know, but at the same time, uh, I, th- I think actually right when I graduated, I-, I bought my first two properties. So I was, you know, starting to get um, a little bit more interested in, in it. And at that time, when I had graduated uh, college, I actually got a job as a financial planner. So I got my mutual fund mm-hmm. license. I got my life insurance license. So I really started learning about finances and seg funds and stocks and, and things like that and protecting yourself. And um, so I started doing that part time and uh, I graduated and obviously my income wasn't stable at that time, you know, being full commission. uh, I said, hey, you know what, why don't I use my criminology, um, you know, degree there uh, or certificate and why not I get a job? So I got a job as a correction officer uh, at Manitoba Corrections and I did that for about three years. But at the same time, I started doubling down on real estate. So I was already doing it part time and you know, I started getting more at that time, I got into flipping. So I started learning more about how to buy properties under market value, how to find them uh, with distressed homeowners, and how to raise the money, because obviously, I ran out of my own money very quickly, like most people do. And um, so I started doing that part time, I had about two other partners. So there was three of us. One of them was a realtor. And so we would do this. And we were probably doing about at that time, we were probably doing about six to eight a year. And I was doing this out on top of working my correction job, you know, working 40 hours, 45 hours a week, sometimes. And then after three years, you know, I started seeing my my income because I was making profits from the, the flipping, you know, it, it replaced my, uh, my day job income. And the year that I quit, which was about eight years ago, you know, we made probably about $120,000, $130,000 of, of profit. And at my government job, I, I took home about sixty-five thousand taxable. You know, so I probably took home maybe forty in my in my pocket. So you know, right. at that time it was a no-brainer. I put my two-week notice in, and uh, the rest is history. Correct. So, um, so your transition to flipping, uh, you said that uh, you quit your job because you were making more money. You started to learn a lot about financial freedom and starting to get in the business with your uh, GV partners. So what was your target market back then and now? You still in the local market of Manitoba or 
Yeah, so I, I locally still invest in Manitoba. At that time, I, I wasn't using JV partners. I wasn't really aware of these strategies. So, you know, at that time, when I first started flipping, uh, because I was so young and I didn't have a track record or anything, I would actually raise money from private lenders, but I would give them, instead of paying them interest on their money per annum, you know, 8, 10, 12% plus, you know, say one or two per 2% points, I would actually give them equity share. So, you know, if I, on average, we were making, you know, probably about 20 to 40,000 uh, of net profit per house. And half of that, I would actually give to the partner and I would take the other half. So I did that for the first, you know, couple of years. And, um, and it was funny one year I started looking, I'm like, you know what, let me look at my, some of my bookkeeping and, you know, what I've actually paid, what I've made and what I've paid out. And when I looked at it, it, it just kind of threw me out of my chair, uh, one year, like I think it was the second year, I paid almost, you know, $150,000 up to my partners, right? Which, which was a lot of money. So I started looking at it. I'm like, wow, how can I start retaining some of this? And, and really, that's where I started looking at other ways of, hey, you know what, I don't actually need to do an equity share or profit share, I can just pay a flat interest on someone's money. Uh, and they can just be a lender. So I started doing that. And then obviously, my profit curve went really up. Uh, but I was obviously I was still grateful for those people because it, without them, I would have never got my start. Right. And uh, so, as I started getting more experienced, I moved away from that. And, and I just I brought on different partners where I would say, hey, you know what? We're only paying eight percent on money or 10 percent. And I would give them a first mortgage on our properties. And, and that's kind of how I shifted from there. Uh, and then uh, again, we'll get into this, I guess, but joint venture partners is now how I own all of my like buy and hold real estate. So you, you have the both strategies, which is the flipping and the buy and hold, the regular buy and hold. Yes. So it's more like a lesson for uh, listeners here. It's, it's not about one strategy about lending. So uh, with flipping, it's make more sense to focus on private money for a short time period, three, six months with high interest than GV partners. But, but when you're dealing with long-term loans, it makes more sense to have equity partners because it's going to be cheaper for you. Is this is basically what you're doing? Yeah, essentially, exactly. I mean, uh, for long-term, yeah, because you're, you're not going to borrow 20% down, you know, say if you're in Ontario or something, you're borrowing you know, 150,000 or 200,000 as 20% down, you know, you're not going to pay a uh, long-term uh, 10% on that money. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah. what, you know, what we do is we structure where they come in, they put up all the down payment mm -hmm. and they put up the closing costs, the renovation costs, if they were doing a burr and, you know, they have the mortgage and title and, and we own the property legally 50, 50. So that's okay. how we like to structure it. That's one of the ways, you know, you can also go and get registered money where again, they're just a lender. So if they have two, three, four, five, half a million dollars in registered money, like an RSP or RESP mm. or, or a Lira or a RIF, uh, you can also borrow that money and they, you won't, you can go out and own real estate and, and pay a better return than they're probably getting at the bank. hundred percent. Yeah. So how many, uh, uh, units under management try as a buy and hold and which categories is a small multifamily or large multifamily? Um, I guess small multifamily, that's kind of our focus. We do small multifamily. Yeah. Uh, I would say about five units and under that that's for me, that's kind of what we focus on. Yeah. Um, we haven't, uh, you know, we have no interest right now in, in doing larger multifamily. 
And, uh, you know, we just find where we work in our market, it, the numbers work a lot better on, on smaller um, multifamily, small. mm. uh, especially, you know, three units and under because there's no rent control and uh, that's where we live. And so we can, you know, we have more flexibility of whatever the market will bear. Like that's what we're going to charge. Right. And uh, we just mm. find the cash flows a lot higher and not mm. that there's anything wrong with larger multifamily, right? You're, you're raising money basically the same way. You're still structuring the deal might change a little bit, but you're just obviously have more doors. So it really depends on the, at the end of the day. So can you share a little bit about the challenges on, on winning bank and um, versus other market challenges and uh, pros also about the actual market as as a flipper and working on the small multifamily. Was it as challenges on uh, Manitoba in general? Sure. Yeah. Well, I can talk about I guess right now, like in May 2022, because the market is always changing. Hmm. Uh, I guess in Winnipeg, you know, it, it is slowing down. We're finding because the interest rates, you know, they've been going up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so properties are they're not selling as fast as they have been in the say in the last maybe a year to 18 months they're still selling it's it's relatively still a, a hot market mm. uh and in, in winnipeg i can say there's there's just not enough homes like there's just not enough homes for people to buy everywhere yeah yeah everywhere <laughs> for sure right and but i mean if you go to somewhere like ontario yeah uh, you're, you're finding that that it's already shifting like houses are sitting a little bit longer on the market right now yeah. and i mean you're out there so you would know this and from from talking to my clients and just you know networking with other investors that's that's obviously a pro for where i live in manitoba mm -hmm. where it's still relatively a hotter market in, in some other areas it is slowing down a bit mm -hmm. uh and and obviously in manitoba the the average home price is probably, you know, in and around 400,000, probably I would say around 400,000. Mm. Uh, the national average is 750. So we're way lower than the national national average. So I, I guess for, you know, for the best bang for your buck, your money does, uh, you're, you're not having to raise a lot, a lot more money or get, uh, you don't have to go into a lot more mortgage debt to, to get into this market to make the same type of maybe return you would make in another market. So historically, on the last, uh, you started, I think, in 2008 and nine. Historically, what was the actual cycle for the appreciation? Like it was constant 5% every year or it was going up and down or just? Yeah, I, I think I think where we live or where I live, it's it's pretty it's slow and steady. It's not, it doesn't go up like, you know, say like uh, Vancouver or, or surrounding areas or GTA, like where. Yeah you know, you're getting crazy, like double digit appreciation. Yes. Um, it, it's been pretty slow. I, I would say it's very slow and steady market here, uh, which to some people, they like that, right? They don't like that mm. up really upswing and then it goes down. So yeah. I, I would say probably about three to 5% uh, appreciation per year here is, is kind of the norm. That's the average. Okay. Uh, I see uh, your business model relies on, I think, uh, force appreciation and adding value, especially that you're uh, your Ren model is renovation. based on flip, yeah, flipping because you want to force appreciate it, uh, pull the money out by refinance or selling. So, sure. uh, what was the upside for you for flipping versus buy and hold? Because I see that your your business model is unique because you um, prefer the flipping system way way better than buy and hold, which yeah. is different than the rest of. Um, majority of investors correct yeah for sure um I, I think really it stems back to when i first started out right when i first started i was 23 years old and 
for me at that time, um, I just needed a lot more capital, right? I needed more capital. And so I naturally got into that. And, and you know, about 10 years ago, like I, I had a mentor that, and I, this was a huge part of it. I had a mentor, they were in the US and mm -hmm. they were really focused on flipping. So that was another thing that really shifted my mindset where I, I just naturally just, um, you know, I went towards that niche, that strategy. And I guess my first, my first goal was to get out of my job. Then my goal was to pay off my consumer debt because I had consumer debt, I had student loans. And uh, so I started doing, going into that. Um, so I think that's what naturally attracted me. And, mm -hmm. and the fact that I, we just got really re our returns back very quickly. So I liked seeing that. And, and it wasn't until probably the last two, three years where we did start buying and holding a, a bit more. And, and, and I mean, by no sense do we have a lot of uh, units under management because that's not my strategy. But I mean, we have a few for sure uh, that we own with JV Partners. So for me, I, it, it's just more appealing to me. And at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, you know, why do you want to flip? Why do you want rentals? You know, what sort of lifestyle are you after? What sort of income are you after? And for me and my family, um, you know, because just just the way, you know, that we're not here in the winters and stuff like that, and, and just kind of the, the lifestyle that we're after, it makes more sense doing the short term active income strategy, whether it's assignments or flips or, uh, you know, even infill construction to sell. So you are uh, snowbirds? Yeah, yeah, we, we just started snowbirding, you know, over the last couple of years. So, uh, which we're, you know, very blessed to have. And we have a great team. Uh, I have an in-house property manager that manages our mm -hmm. properties. Uh, so, yeah, it, it does allow us to do that. 100%, 100%. Yeah. So, uh, I think the next subject will be raising capital. How you started to create your own system and what was the main um, factors uh, help you to market for marketing for yourself and your brand because this is really important i think you're looking for always passive investors because you mentioned that you're focusing on 50 50 so you're not looking for active investors so how you manage to um, build this the system and to attract um, as this passive investors to your uh, system and portfolio Sure, and you're saying passive. You're you're talking more on the buy and hold side. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I would say you know I think the the one thing that really helped me is I was already getting decent at attracting money because that's how I was funding all my renovation projects. Hmm. So I was already out there. I was already talking to people. I already because I have a, fin a financial planning background. I really knew what sort of, um, you know, struggles or challenges that people have that when they're investing in stocks or mutual funds or SEG funds or TFSAs and GICs. So I, I, I knew what kind of people to approach that really helped me in my, my flipping business early on, because mm. I was already learning that and I was doing that on the, um, on the side. Mm. And so when I, when I decided, you know, a few years ago, I'm like, you know what, I want to start holding some of these properties. Like, why am I always selling? Um, and, and obviously you want to, you want to start stabilizing and, and start building up cash flow and intergenerational wealth. Um, I think that really helped me, uh, Adam. Mm. I already had some people that I was working with. So what I did is I would just go to them and say, hey, by the way, I, you know, we're not really actively flipping as much right now. Uh, I am changing my strategy. I would love to work with you, but um, you know, it's, it's gonna, we're not going to be able to, to pay the 8%, 10% that you're used to. However, I would love to give you 
you know, percentage in the deal, you know, and sometimes we've done like, we've taken 60%, they've taken 40. It doesn't always have to be 50, 50, mm. um, where we find the deal, we manage it, we renovate it. And they're really just providing the money and, um, and the getting on the mortgage. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that helped me. I think I really big part too. a lot of people don't utilize enough because they, they it maybe it's not, they're not comfortable with social media, but uh, and again, I wasn't comfortable, obviously, when I started, but posting, you know, I would share my success and and not really breaking, but sharing the numbers and what real estate has done for me. And hey, you know what, this is the before and after. And and so when people started seeing this on, on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, people would just, you know, they would come to us. They would come to us 100%. and say, hey, you know, that's really interesting. How does that work? So that helped me out a lot, right? And uh, obviously when I would uh, raise money and I learned this as being a financial planner, you want to ask for referrals, right? Like, hey, Adam, yeah. like, you know, you did really good on this deal. Like, who do you know that uh, is looking for maybe an investment like this, more security on their money? Mm. Uh, maybe they want to own real estate, but they don't want to manage it. They don't want to deal with the headaches. Like, do you know anybody like that? So we, uh, I think the referrals was really good. So if I had like, um, you know, at any one point, I probably had about 10 people that I was working with, eight to 10. And then, you know, I would say like, hey, like they probably know another 50, 100 people that I don't know. So I don't need to always be looking for new people. I can just get referrals from our current 100%. ones. And that really helped me. Yeah, 100%. Especially on the smaller markets than than Ontario, Winnipeg and Manitoba is a little bit smaller than than Ontario market, especially the south of Ontario. So, yeah. uh, I think the next one will be finding the deals. So, what was uh, your strategy to find distressed properties and distressed landlords in your market? What was your strategy to find these deals, especially on the flipping side? Yeah. So in the, in the early parts, you know, we would do a lot of your, you know, the kind of the g generic bandit signs, uh, direct mail, uh, door hangers, sticky notes, uh, door knocking. So we would have teams that uh, in the beginning I did it myself. Mm. And then as I started making a little bit more money, I would take some of that profit and I would put it into marketing. And I learned this from, you know, my mentor is always, you know, take, take, you know, a 20% or 30% of your, your profit and put it in marketing, right. Where yeah. you're slowly moving it away. So I would have people putting out like, you know, lawn signs or AKA bandit signs hmm. um, and just going and driving for dollars and uh, all of that stuff. So yeah, a lot of, the, a lot of our deals came that way. And then hmm. uh, we would, all, we also started networking with wholesalers or, or people that would, you know, have properties and we would just buy it off them. Um, and then later on, as I, you know, because marketing changes, right? Because something that worked 10 years ago might not work well today. And something that works good here might not work good in Brampton or Mississauga or something. Nice. So you really need to know your market and, and you need to adapt, right? And I think people get stuck at doing the same thing over and over and expecting, you know, it to work. But if it's not working, then you got to change it. And then recently we, we started, as we started making a bit more profit, we started investing in ads like Facebook ads, where our ad would pop up about selling our, uh, selling your home in our local area. Obviously that cost a bit more money, but it was just better quality because people were reaching out to us. Hmm. Um, and the other thing is, uh, and I've written, I've written blogs on this, but, uh, we have a couple of websites, like a lead generation website where hmm. organically, because we had key search words in there. Uh, we, we would set up like the right search engine optimization where we would have leads coming inbound 
from those websites and we'd set up a Google review page. So, I mean, for your viewers, if they, you know, they want to get leads, like a super easy one way is just to set up a website. You can, there's a lot of website. You can just do it yourself, more of like a lead magnet and then kind of study SEO search engine optimization, where uh, people can find you organically on the web on Google uh, who are looking to sell their homes really quickly. So, you know, those are some of the strategies we've done. Uh, and, and I mean, really today it's more because we've been in the business for like 13 years, 14 years, people just know that, Hey, you know what, Manjeet, like the, the person has cash, he knows investors, he's, he's able to close, which is super important to realtors and wholesalers uh, that they, they know you can actually close on the deal. So now it's more of that. Now it's more of the network. And in the beginning, it was more manual labor where I had to actually do the work and everything. And not to say that doesn't work. But it still works, but it's, it, you know, it more shifts away from you doing that and it's more organic and it's more network. Yeah, yeah. I think the, 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 the uh, point of uh, the marketing, especially on Google and SEO, it's really good point and uh, give you an edge to be always on, uh, on social media and yeah. to be found easier on, uh, on in your market. Uh, I, I found this is a really good point. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, and, and also uh, one thing, Adam, you reminded me, but there's so many tools today, right? On social media, like uh, you can do Instagram story, Facebook story, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok. TikTok is a big thing now. And um, so there's so many channels where you're just sharing your story. And because they have so many integrated tools where you don't even need to be a media expert like it'll just make your story look good if you do a little bit of research which i recommend people doing on how to actually use instagram and and make it more appealing to people or you start a youtube channel or whatnot yeah and there's just so many free ways of marketing right organic ways of marketing where you can share your your deals and what you're doing and, and if people are interested they're just they're going to reach out to you right then 100 or for our, um, you know, for our, our advanced training program that we offer at Prosper Path, like with our clients, you know, a lot of our, lot of our clientele, they come that way, right? They find us on Instagram or our Facebook group or YouTube or whatever. And it's, it works. Well, why spend the money when you, there's just so much organic growth you can have. 100%, 100%. Yeah. Getting back to the, your starting, I think you mentioned that you've been on, on different mentoring and coaching courses. So who is your uh, influential mentor in your real estate career so far? Um, you know, I, I would, I probably would say I've had different mentors in different industries. And I think the biggest uh, influential mentor for me, uh, it, it wasn't in real estate. It was actually when I worked as a financial planner. Okay. And because that, that was actually my first, or sorry, that was my second business. I used to have a vending machine business when I was 18. That's another story. But, uh, you know, when I was 23, I, I got recruited into this company. And, and so this person took me under their wing. They actually used to be a Remax agent like 30 years ago. And he started this brokerage and, and he was like recruiting up his team. And um, I, I think uh, the biggest thing that I've learned was from him how to present and how to prospect and how to you know uh like close deals and and how to ask for referrals so a lot of that stuff I actually took away from him even though it was a different industry in, in financial planning but I applied a lot of those principles in real estate in my own real estate business 
So I think out of all of them, he was probably the biggest influence that I had on my business early on. So you found that it's more appealing to find someone far from your actual career because of the competition or it's no, no, not, not necessarily for me. It just worked out that way because mm. you know, he, he had a huge influence and, and of course I've had different, I've had different mentors on marketing and selling and, and real estate, of course. Um, and so, yeah, you, you do need to be well-versed, right? Like at the end of the day, real estate, you're, you're selling, right? You're selling an opportunity. You're selling your contractor to give you better pricing. You're selling 100%. your JV partner to work with you over somebody else. You know, you're selling a homeowner to work with you, you know, over the next we buy houses guy, right? So you're, you got to re really study uh, emotionally and learning how to ask proper questions where you can get your prospects to work with you over somebody else. So I've taken an interest in marketing and, and selling and, and all this stuff, which which helps me and, and it should make you a well-rounded investor because I think one mistake that people make is they only go to a real estate coach, right? And and mm. not that there's anything wrong with that. We we do coaching also too. And but you need uh, you need more of a holistic, comprehensive approach where you're not going to get all what you need from one person. Especially the selling part. It's really important part. Selling, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, my final real estate question will be, uh, can you break down your largest deal? How you, it was a, first of all, it was a flipping or it was buy and hold and how you got the deal? Uh, what was the upside about the deal? How you close the deal? Uh, did, did you do it? Did it by joint venture or uh, hard money? So yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. So the uh, surprisingly, the, the largest deal we've ever done wasn't uh, was like in profit wise. Uh, it wasn't a flip. It was a property that it, again, it came through one of our marketing campaigns. It was actually a letter. So this lady received a letter of ours. Really? And so she called me and, you know, as I'm talking to her, I'm like looking on the Internet, like checking the city assessment. Um, and then, you know, she's like, hey, I want to I want to sell this home. So. When I'm talking to her, I, I'm like, okay, this could be a good flip. Like, you know, she she's ask, asking X amount uh, of, of this property. And I kind of have an idea of what the property sell for. Hmm. But when I got to the property and I, I drove down there myself, I realized that this property was on a double lot, right? So, I, and I okay. didn't realize that when I was looking at it. So when I got there, you know, I, I was able, and I knew what lots go for in that area. So my intention was to obviously buy it as a flip. But after negotiating with her about price and everything, I actually ended up putting it under contract because I realized like the value in this property wasn't in the house, it was in the double lot. And mm. at that time, you know, we're not building. So what I ended up doing was buying that property and then reselling it to a builder. And mm. when we resold it to a builder, we sold it for what a double lot was go for. So after paying all the expenses, our, our net profit, uh, was about $82,000 on that deal. Good, good. You know, so uh, it, it took about a it took about 2 months from like writing the offer and and within within probably 5 days I already had it uh, like we bought it and sold it right away and then the um, you know the possession wasn't until like a couple of months from there but uh we got a deposit from them and uh that was uh, profit wise that was probably the largest deal we've done. So this is again a good lesson that you did your research, I think, on the zoning too, to understand if it's uh, yeah. applicable to work on uh, multifamily units or single family. It was a 
already zoned for single family or the or multi-family the actual yeah, so zone. it was already zoned it was zoned uh, in our city it's r1 it was zoned for single family so what happened is um the the builder bought it they bought it they subdivided the lot themselves mm-hmm. they split it into two because it was a it was a 50 foot lot they made it they made 225s they tore down the house and now they they built two homes on that okay. property so okay. that's really where they they got the value from you know, and, and the lady, she was happy because she didn't want to list it on the market. And, and I remember at that time, she's like, ah, it was COVID. I don't want a bunch of people walking in my house. And um, we were able to figure out a price that works for us. And we were able to put that under contract. We gave her cash for the home and she had a bunch of equity in there too. And and uh, yeah, it worked really well for all of us. When was that? Uh, this was uh, beginning of last year. Okay. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. So, you know, and we, we've done, obviously we've done, uh, great deals on flips where we've bought them and, uh, you know, and usually 65 days or, or 90 days, depending we've bought it, renovated, sold it, had it staged. Um, yeah. Right. But, but obviously the, they're not always wins. We we've had deals where we've lost money. Right. I, I always like to tell this. I don't want people to realize like, Hey, it's all great. And, um, you know, it can be, if you're in the business long-term and th- that's really what your, your listeners need to know, like you might, you might find a deal and it's a dud, you know, you might lose 10 grand, five grand or whatever, but you got to remember if you keep buying and you keep consistently, your, your wins are going to outweigh the losses. Right. And I think for, for people, they, they might buy a property. Maybe they didn't analyze the renovations properly. Maybe they didn't, um, the comparables, their realtor sent was a bit too high and, you know, maybe the market shifted and they ended up losing money, but you got to remember this business is long-term just like buying and holding, you know, you're not going to make a bunch of cash right now, but you're going to make money from that mortgage pay down appreciation and cash flow and tax benefits. So it's really having that perspective. And um, because I, I've, I've met people that, you know, they bought a, a bad deal, unfortunately, and it took them out of the business. Hundred percent, especially on the last uh, couple of years, with the COVID and the material prices was crazy. It was hard to get a profit, especially on, as you said, non-appreciated market like uh, Western Canada and Central Canada versus uh, Southern Ontario. So uh, my next question will be: What is your strength or superpower? Oh my, <laughs> my strength is superpower. Um... You know, I, I guess as it pertains to real estate, I don't know if I'd call it a superpower, but uh, I, I would really say like attracting money, raising money is, is really my my strength in that area. And, and again, I'm, I'm always getting better. I'm not I'm not the best out there, but hmm. um, I've gotten very good at it. Like we've raised probably personally over 50 million dollars, you know, over the over the years for, you know, <clears throat> infills and uh you know the flips and uh, the buying holds um so yeah we we've gotten very good at it and uh obviously <clears throat> this system that i have that i've actually developed and and really broken down my step by step i you know now i teach it to other people and i've had a lot of them have success with it and um you know it's it's good because once once you figure it out what really makes people tick and what really makes people like invest with you then you're not going to have any limitations the one mm. the, the two biggest limitations in real estate are deals of course and it's money right but if if, mm. if i had to say anything for majority of people i talk to it's probably money they just you know, they, they could probably find a deal but they they just don't know how to track money and raising capital is yeah raising yeah, capital so is a trick 
for sure. And if you can get good at that one skill, it's going to be great. I actually did a, a YouTube video on this where, uh, and I can, you know, send it to you. Maybe you can, you can link it in your own uh, description. Sure. But I, I uh, two videos, I actually talked about how to actually use, uh, how to actually use overseas workers like virtual assistants to help you connect you with potential JV partners and investors every single day. And also, um, how to actually the three questions to ask lenders and JV partners to really help them commit emotionally to working with you over the next person. And, and uh, I recently did a video on this where I broke down my process and, you know, I'd love to share that with you where your viewers can get some uh, feedback on it. Yeah. 100%. Uh, my last question would be which book, book grabbed your attention lately, especially on real estate or just, any other marketing stuff, especially we're talking about marketing, uh, V, virtual assistance, and uh, uh, YouTube marketing. So what was uh, the latest book grabbed your attention? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think one of the latest books I've read uh, on marketing selling was uh, called Fanatical Prospecting by mm -hmm. Jeb Blunt. And uh, he's a sales guy. And and uh, it doesn't matter what, what you're selling, if you're raising money or you're selling Tupperware or whatever, uh, it's it all comes down to prospecting, right? If you're trying to find leads on houses, you're trying to find capital, it comes down to prospecting. And this book does a great job on really teaching you different ways of prospecting in your niche, whatever your niche is, mm. where you can go out there and and really just having that mindset of, of being a fanatic where you're going to outperform, outsell, outdo you know, average people that are, you know, doing just small amount of deals versus, you know, people that are doing like one deal a month. Mm. Uh, and this book does a really great job on that. So that was a really good book I read. Um, real estate book I read uh, was never split the di di difference. That was the last real estate book I read. It was, uh, it's really good by, I forgot the author, but uh, it just talks about like negotiating and again, selling. And when you're, you're talking to somebody, it was written by a, an FBI hostage negotiator. Uh, and he actually talked about, it really helped you change your mindset on when you're talking to, uh, for me, it was talking to sellers, talking to uh, investors, uh, really trying to get my deal accepted. And um, especially when I'm talking the to- sales part. The sales part is really important. Yeah, a yeah. huge part, huge part, right? And, and yeah. I think, I think enough, not enough people focus on that and they don't realize that, you know, you're, you're in a business and you're, you're selling, you're essentially selling, right? And 100%. selling an opportunity. So, yeah. yeah. So how is the people can uh, follow your success? Yeah. Uh, you know what? If people want to follow me, they can, they can find me on Instagram or, or Facebook, or uh, they can even uh, YouTube. Like I have a small YouTube channel. They can check me out. And um, I also have a Facebook group called Canadian real estate investing with cash joint ventures and private deals. Uh, and it's a yeah, group's growing with about 4,000 investors. And I do a lot of Facebook lives and interviews and things like that in there. So they can find me on there too. That's great. Thanks again for uh, joining us today. And we're really happy to bring you again to the show to talk about your success on flipping and give an update in winning bing on the next uh, four or five months. So again, thanks for your time and appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Adam, for uh, having me on the show. Thanks a lot.